What's going on, Third and Forever fans? It's Tyler Haskins, and we're back with another episode of Third and Forever with Tyler Haskins, where we keep it real all day, every day. And if you're looking around, this is a little bit of a different format than what we're used to here at Third and Forever. And we took a week off. We're trying some different things and working in some production here at Third and Forever and trying to figure out what may be a little more efficient and better to put out there for you guys and for your viewership. So just kind of, you know, kind of ad-libbing a little bit and seeing what works and having some fun. Uh, I miss being here, man. Like, I miss doing the show. It's been a week. Like I said, I've been off for a week. Uh, homework is starting to pick up, kicking my ass, man. Midterm season, and I'm just trying to finish up. At the end of the day, I still am a college student. So that is the authenticity and the off-the-field type stuff for you uh, in a nutshell. But we got some great things going on in the sports world. Um, a great game three last night between the Grizzlies and the Warriors. And I, this has been one of my favorite series, probably it is my favorite series actually, going on so far in the semifinal round of the NBA playoffs besides the Bucks and the Celtics. Because this one is a matchup that I honestly, I thought would go to all seven games because you got a superstar in the making. I mean, John Morant is going to win MVP one day and that dude is going to get him a ring. Okay, as long as he got the right help around him, he's going to get himself a ring because this brother is amazing and he is phenomenal to watch. And him matching up against the Warriors with everything they got going on with Poole, Steph, you know, Clayman, he fell off a little bit in game two, but it's still Clay Thompson at the end of the day. And Draymond, Draymond going to be Draymond at the end of the day. So, but this is a, a great matchup. And these two teams have been throwing haymakers at each other. And we saw how games one and two unfolded. Last night in game three, it, it started to be a little reminiscent in the first half of what we had seen all the way through games one and two of the back and forth and, you know, a close, you know, tight-knit game between the two teams. But, boy, in that second half, I, the Warriors were shooting the lights out, man. I believe they, they might have broke a record, a franchise record, uh, specifically to them or something for shooting percentage. I think they were up at 60-something percent, you know, for the game at some point in that second half because they came out shooting the lights out on these boys in Memphis. And I, I, I don't know, because like that was that was the Warriors that we're used to seeing, you know what I'm saying? And, and I got to tell you, man, Steph is not the same Steph that we once, you know, knew and loved, all right? Like, Steph, Steph getting old, okay? We get to that point where we're at the, you know, we're in this generation. We've seen LeBron, we've seen KD, and all these. They're getting old, okay? And Steph is part of Steph in the league since 2008, man. I mean, he he's getting up there. He, he's been there for almost 15 years. So, so his his step back three and him throwing up them them deep threes, he not hitting those things the way he used to. Okay, but but to have the help around him and the committee of him and Poole and Clay, even Wiggins when Wiggins is on on point, you know these guys, it, it's the Warriors at the end of the day, and, and we can't forget that because they showed us that they they are still the Golden State Dubs. Okay, and they have that identity. Now, I need to talk about. Josh specifically because John ja Morant went down with a knee injury last night towards the game, right? Now, I'm not too worried about it. Josh's ja going to play, okay? He's not going to miss a game. He will play tomorrow night in game four. I'm pretty sure he will. Okay, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem for Josh. Ja. But we have got to talk about injuries and some of the physicality in this series because so far, I mean, let's take game two, for instance, where here comes Dylan Brooks down and fouls Gary Payton the second very hard 
to the point where he falls down and embraces his elbow, fractures his elbow, okay? Now, here's Steve Kerr talking about, oh, you know, you're breaking the code. That's, that's not what we do as NBA players. But then you got Draymond dragging dudes down the game before in game one. And he got tossed with a flagrant two, which I will say I, I think may have been a little excessive. And I understand why the officials had to make that call. You look back at the camera, he slapped the dude in the face and then yanked him down, you know? Whether he meant to or not, the refs, they ain't in a tough spot. They got to do something about that, okay? It's just how the, how the game works in this day and age. But I personally thought it could have been a flagrant one. He could have stayed in the game. But you got ejected. You know, it's, it's Draymond. He's going to do Draymond things. And I, I believe in game two, Draymond actually caught an elbow or something to the head, which had his, his eye all messed up. And he was on the ground for a second trying to, to gather himself. So this has been a physical series, man. And, and Ja, his knee injury from last night, that came from, from Jordan Poole, you know, grabbing at his knee. He, he was trying to trap him. And I was like, okay, like, because like, at, at the end of the game, I believe Ja tweeted or he said something about breaking the code. And, and this whole thing of breaking the code just keeps coming up in this series. And I'm like, okay, like, basketball physical, man. Like, it's, it's a physical game. Like, we get it, all right? But some of the some of the stuff obviously like it's it's unnecessary. Like Dylan Brooks, I believe that was unnecessary. He didn't have to go that hard to try and, and foul Gary Payton a second and cause him to fracture his elbow that way. That was unnecessary, I believe. A lot of this other stuff, I think Draymond's from game one was a little too too excessive by the call from the ref with the flagrant two. I get why they had to do it, but again, I would say it's more one. But then last night, you know, Poole's grabbing it at John and everything, grabs his knee and he injures it. And I'm like, okay, like, part of the game, but, like, I, I, I don't know, man. It, it's, it, it's, it's part of the game. I don't know what else to tell you, you know. And this whole thing going back and forth with these two teams about breaking the code, breaking the code, like, dude, <laughs> you just got to go out and ball, man. Like, let's go get the job done, okay. And I feel like, obviously, John's going to play, okay. It's not even up for discussion. He's a warrior, and he could be hurt one second, and he'll come right back and go to the bucket and give you some razzle-dazzle along with it the next, okay, or throw it down on top of you, okay. But this dude, he, he is so exciting to watch, and sometimes he, he makes me nervous. He makes me a little nervous because he is so explosive. He's so explosive, and he reminds me so much of Derrick Rose. And I think about him like, the way he just – flies through the air the way he bounces and, and levitates and get up get, gets up like that it's i'm worried for the way he comes down because jobby falling sometimes but he comes down hard okay we saw he came down very hard in game one and they didn't call the foul for it but he was looking for it but they didn't call the foul for it but he comes down very hard from being that explosive and being that high up in the air and i'm worried for bro because I don't I love John Moran. I love watching him and I don't want him to suffer some type of serious injury just from his, his style of play because he's just an explosive uh ball player and that's that's how he 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 uh you know operates in the league. But dude, like I hope he, he's gotta find a way to like you know keep it working for him and, and keep working for the team and everything, but I I just hope he can protect himself, you know, at the end of the day and it don't it don't come back to bite him. Uh, but hey, that, that's just how he plays, and that—that's what's selling tickets because the dude is so much fun to watch, and he's explosive, and he's gonna play that game for. Okay, again, that's not up for discussion. Now I'm looking at the Warriors, and I'm like, all right, y'all went back to San Francisco for Game Three, 
and y'all put on in front of the crowd, all right? Memphis has to get one of these in San Francisco, okay? Uh, they, they must get game four or it is going to be trouble because at that point, the Warriors, they're already up 2-1. If they go up 3-1, they've already taken one in Memphis, okay? If they go back to Memphis for game five, we might be looking at an exit, you know? And I don't know. I, we're looking ahead now, a little, little farther ahead down the, down the road. But, you know, say that happens, I don't know if Ja's going to let that happen. I don't think they're going to go down in Memphis. Ja might take that thing in game five and force a game six, you know, because he has that ability to take it into his own hands and single-handedly take the game away from the team, okay? Now, I personally thought after watching games one and two, I'm like, this one, I originally thought it was going to six. Then I was like, this one's going to seven. If Memphis can take one of these in San Francisco, if they can take game four tomorrow night in San Fran, this one's going to seven, okay? Mark my words, this one's going to seven, and it will be anybody's series. Because and I do, I do feel as much as I love Ja, as much as I want him to keep moving on. I do feel that the Warriors are going to win this thing at the end of the day. Okay, I believe we're going to see a Warrior Suns conference finals as long as Phoenix continues to take care of business with the Mavericks. Because the, the Mavs is, besides Luca and Luca ain't playing no damn defense, so I just I don't see other uh, any other reason why the Mavericks could have a chance against the Suns either. But back to the Warriors and Grizz. I think the Warriors are going to find a way to get this one, but it will not be easy. And we've seen that already. It's been a tough road against John Moran, the Grizzlies. But so excited for that game tomorrow night, game four on Monday. And we're going to see how the rest of the series plays out because, again, I do believe it's anybody's series. And John Moran is just so fun to watch. I mean, the brother is so <laughs> – he's so exciting, okay? You can't get wrong with that. So keep watching that series and keep checking that one out. And we'll be following that one here closely. Uh, let's transition to the NFL, okay? Talking just some post-draft type stuff. Uh, we watched the draft uh, last week or a couple weeks ago now. And, you know, obviously it was it was a different draft than normal. Uh, it didn't have the superstar feel to it, like the, the weight, I, I guess. And I think a lot of it had to do with the quarterback class because, yes, there were some good quarterbacks in this year's class, but it probably wasn't as strong as last year's or other, you know, past years, uh, you know, were the quarterback classes. And I think a lot of that, and when you see it, the first quarterback, Kenny Pickett, was taken late in the first round. And the first five players taken in the first round were defensive players. And I believe that was the first time since the 1990s that that's happened. So I just, there's a lot of receivers that win as well. You know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jamison Williams, or Williams, excuse me, all three of them went, back to back to back and we're all former Ohio State receivers before uh, Williams left and went to Alabama. But we saw a lot of receiver talent in the drafts and the market and, you know, the, the demand for receivers is going up because receivers are, are becoming really, really damn good out of college now. And between, you know, the, uh, the first rounders and the second rounders, we look at a team like the Green Bay Packers. Everyone's always getting on them, talking about, oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers don't have a receiver, don't have no threats and everything. They don't ever get him a, a receiver. Well, they find gems in the second round. They did it with Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings. It just, they did Devontae Adams. This guy, uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, he, he's supposed to be a, a good pass catcher and good deep threat at 6'4 for Aaron Rodgers. 
So we'll see how that works out. But receivers, the the market and the demand for that is going so high. And I think it's it's only going to continue and it's going to keep going that way because, you know, receiver, man, like you talking about, like, look at the money that Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams are getting paid nowadays, okay? You're going to get paid a lot of money to play receiver in the NFL, man. That's the bottom line. And it's going to keep going up, okay? Because guys like Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, what did they do? They reset the market, okay? Devontae Adams getting paid $28 million a year, okay? That means that if you got another top receiver who ball out better than him and put up better stats than him, then you have to reset the whole market as an as a owner of your team and pay that man more than what the highest man already gets, okay? That's just how it works. We saw that in the quarter of that market. It's the same thing with Deshaun Watson when he got all that guaranteed money to go to Cleveland. So we're going to keep seeing this. Like This is going to keep happening, and receiver is going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing, okay? That's not going to change. I want to talk specifically about my team, though, okay? For those of you who, who, who know already, who don't know, I was a lifelong, a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan, and I couldn't take them anymore. They hurt my feelings. They played like ass in the playoffs last year and just laid an egg against the 49ers. So I was like, you know what? I had it. You, you guys aren't worth my time no more. So I switched. I went to the Baltimore Ravens, okay? My, the good home team for me, not the commanders. We're not rocking with the commies, okay? We don't like that name. But I want to talk about the Ravens because the Ravens, they always do, do a good job in the draft, man. And they had a phenomenal draft this year once again. My thing is, I want to talk about Lamar, okay? Lamar Jackson is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, okay? And we can make an argument. Whoever wants to come at me, come at me in the comments or the DMs and, and debate me in that, okay? Stephen A., I'll do you too, okay, if you, if you don't agree. And I'm sure he would. But Lamar Jackson is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I, I believe that Lamar needs to get his money. Because for Lamar's style of play and the way he, he goes around and, you know, handles that ball and as a ball carrier, Lamar is, you know, is a lot more uh, expendable, I should say, than, you know, somebody else is going to stay in the pocket most of the time, right? So Lamar needs to get his money. I think what's getting in the way a little bit with Lamar, Lamar is a competitor and he is a he's a humble guy and I believe Lamar has this thing with when he got drafted by the Ravens he said that they were going to get a Super Bowl out of him and I believe that some of his playoff struggles I believe he's one in three as a starter in the playoffs at this point through some of the injuries I I'm, I'm gonna deliver this take now and say I don't know if Lamar feels he deserves a contract now don't get me wrong. He definitely deserves the contract, okay? He needs it, okay? And I believe he should have it to protect him, okay, just in case, you know, God forbid. I mean, the dude had – he had he messed up his ankle in, I believe it was a week 11 or something last year at the end of the season, and he missed the, fi the final, what, seven, eight games, which the team lost every single one and missed the playoffs after they were like eight and three, top of the division. So the dude has got to protect himself. He's got to get his money. But I fear that – he specifically may believe that he's not worthy of it because he hasn't delivered on his promise enough. Now, obviously, the dude's been in the league for, what, three years now? Okay, three, four years? Obviously, like, it's, it's okay if you don't have a ring yet. Okay, it's not a big deal. Like, we don't all have to be Pat Mahomes, damn it. 
okay? But for his performances in the playoffs and obviously with the injuries and missing games, the team missing the playoffs this past year, I feel I think that Lamar feels he has a lot more to prove. The dude has already won MVP. We know that. He knows that. But it's it shouldn't be much more. And I believe the dude's got to get his money, okay? I think for what the Ravens did in the draft, obviously defensively they had to go up, okay? And for the first round pick that they traded, first they traded down when they got the pick from the Cardinals that sent Hollywood Brown to Arizona. And then they traded down once again with Buffalo to get the 25th pick. And they got Tyler Linderbaum out of, uh, out of Iowa, the center. I get the move. And I, I like the move because the Ravens' offensive line was depleted, especially at the center position, and they needed a center. My fear is, is, is the lack of pass catchers going to get to Lamar again? Is it going to get to the Ravens' offense? That's always been the thing. Get Lamar a receiver. Lamar doesn't have a number one receiver. But I think they can make this work, though. And, and, and they definitely can because they don't have to throw the ball all the damn time. They really don't. Because you get boys like Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins back from injury this year, and you got Lamar in the backfield, you can make a three-headed monster out of that. And bolstering the offensive line, just, just continue to improve your run game. And you throw when you need to. Because the Ravens, since, since Lamar has been there, the Ravens, and honestly, we could even throw it back to some of the older days, they had been strong running the football. Their run offense is a major strength of their team. And so if they can get back to that and commit to that and throw the ball when they need to, they'll be fine. They'll be, they, they can go win 12 games this year. They can go win 12 games and win a division. I believe so. But I think they got to sit back to the basics. They, they got to get to the basics. Because last year they, they, were, they became very uncharacteristic with a lot of the injuries that happened in the running back room. And this is before the season. I mean, J.K. Dobbins got hurt. And Edwards got hurt before the year. And, they didn't really have, you know, the running back uh, to, to really carry them like that in the run game. And Lamar was doing a lot more on his own from passing, a lot more passing and running as well. So I think that overall, they got to they gotta get back to what works. And if it ain't broke, they'll fix it. Because a couple of years ago when he won that MVP, that's what they fell back on, man. That's, that's what they did. And he did his thing. And when he, when he threw the ball, when he had to throw the ball, he, he was damn good at it, okay? And he always has been, okay? <laughs> I don't need to hear no more of the, you know, why is, why is a running back playing quarterback for the Ravens, okay? We're we not here for that. We're not worried about that. We know who Lamar Jackson is. But I'm excited for the Ravens, man, because like I said, they always do good in the draft, and they had a phenomenal one. I, I think draft grade was probably A, A- minus this year for them because they did a phenomenal job. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do this year. And I think BMO is, is going to be going up this fall because Charm City, we're going to get it going. All right. That's all, all the time we got here on Third and Forever today. Uh, but one more thing, man. One more thing. I don't talk a lot about this spot, or, or excuse me, this sport on this show. I got I to gotta throw in my, my home team, my Washington Capitals, man. I don't never talk about hockey on this show, but my Capitals got embarrassed on Thursday night in game two against the Florida Panthers. I believe it, it was five to one or maybe six to one that they lost. I don't know. I turned the TV off. I don't know. I wasn't watching anymore because I was like, this, this is awful. I don't want to watch anymore. 
And they came out yesterday, back home in D.C., at the Verizon Center. I promise I'm not calling it Capital One Arena. I will not call it that. It is the Verizon Center. It always has been. It will stay that way, okay? Look at the signs going on under the 14th Street Bridge on 395 going into D.C. It says Verizon Center, okay? Actually, they might have changed it. They changed it, Capital. They did change it. You know what? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. This is the Verizon Center, okay? Anyway, they was rocking the red last night, man. Six to one. Six to after getting blown out, they flipped the score on these dudes and went six to one against Florida to take a 2-1 lead in the series. Now, all these little NHL analysts and everything sitting on the pregame show talking about, oh, who, 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 were, the, who were the Panthers even playing? <laughs> I forgot they were playing the Capitals. Do the Capitals even have a chance? I forgot they were in the play. Stop it, okay? You know what you're talking about. Because they took game one in, in, in a very good fashion, and they dominated game three, okay? And they're going to take game four, too. Watch. They're going to rock the red once again at home and D.C. going up, and we're going to take a three-to-one lead. Just wait, okay? But, hey, man, just had to shout out the Caps. Petita to rock the red. And the captain, Ovi, keep doing your thing. But that is all the time we have here on Third and Forever today with Tyler Haskins, where we always keep it real all day, every day. Remember to check us out on YouTube and Instagram at Third and Forever. And uh, we'll catch you guys next episode. Appreciate y'all tuning in as always. Peace. This has been Third and Forever, starring Tyler Haskins.